It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to connect here on Rise FM and on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. However you have found us today, thank you for choosing to listen to the session. I'm Scott, here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries, and we are going to broach a subject today that I'm pretty sure is going to take two weeks, but it's something I wish my parents had told me about. Money. Uh-huh. And how to manage it as kids. Now, did did do the uh, Russell kids have an allowance? Oh yeah, they did. They, and they earned it from chores that they did. And then we had the free enterprise system where you first had to do the, your bedroom, and then there was a couple of high dollar things that if their bedrooms were done, they could do. It was like maybe the bathrooms paid more money. So ah, they did. Okay. Yeah. All I ever heard was, no, you don't need it. <laughs> How do you know if I need it or not? Yeah. So now did that conversation go along with education about what to do with said money once they earned it? Well, yeah, that's the thing I would like to wish we had done better at was, you know, teaching them to save better. However, I think all of them are doing pretty well with that right now yeah well good see that's that's what i kind of wish my folks had talked to me about a little bit more was once i started cutting lawns and babysitting you know what to do with that 20 dollar bill when it's sitting in my desk yeah you know burning a hole in it and to show them as we get into the show they'll be uh in the meat of this good stuff about you know what to do but to teach them to invest it at a young age and then when they get to be our age and they've they've continued to invest. That'd be a regular part of their life. The likelihood is they'll do real well. Yeah, they're set. Yeah. All right. So before we dive into the teeth of talking to your kids about money, we dive into God's word, Tom. Well, yeah. And Scott, out of Proverbs twenty-two and verse six, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So get on. Start it early. Yeah. Same right. thing with teaching them God's words. Start early. Because their emotional developmental stages and their cognitive development all start really early. And, you know, there's research out there as an example of there's a window of opportunity that our children would come to know the Lord. But it's like somewhere in the neighborhood, if it hasn't happened by the age of 13 or maybe younger, I could miss it. I haven't looked at it lately. But that shows the need we that they should be taught early on. The older they get, the harder or the lower the probability that they will. And the more of a an opportunity that mom and dad can influence them right. when they are younger so that as they get older, they understand right. and can apply better. All right, so we're going to turn to 
an article called Building a Case for Teaching Children About Money from Focus on the Family, kind of as a as an overview before we dive into specifics. A consumer report surveyed revealed that 28% of students did not know that credit cards are a form of borrowing. Ouch. They, yeah, they, they had no idea. Shouldn't they be taught something about like that? And 40% did not know that banks charge interest on loans. Oh, boy, that first credit card statement was a shock for them. 18%, yeah. 22%. And then they've got them because right. they can't get it paid off at a rate fast enough that before it sucks them right in. And this next point here, Tom, terrifies me. Okay. How they can be allowed to do it terrifies me. Yeah. That advertisers and credit card companies are targeting children and teens about credit cards and, and money. So they're, they're getting them. And there's another example of the advertisers are aware of that window of opportunity. You know, we are a big game playing family. Okay. Yeah. You know, we, prior to my granddaughter, Sherry and Aaron and I would take a Friday night. We just call it family game night. Okay. We'd bring, just bring up boxes of games from downstairs, plop them at the end of the dining room table, and we'd just start playing through them. Well, there's one game we will never buy. What's that? Monopoly. I forget what it's called now, but it comes with a credit card. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't have money anymore. It has uh, a credit card. Oh, my. And you learn how to use your credit card to buy Boardwalk and Park Place and Pennsylvania Avenue and baltic avenue and all that stuff wow interesting. Uh, yeah that's one game i will not buy i think life even has a credit card version oh my gosh so yeah, yeah. uh-huh 80 percent of parents assume that schools are providing classes on money management and budgeting oh, oh no yeah. no no oh, yes and did you catch that word assume uh-huh we won't go into it. We won't. No, we will not do that. <laughs> you know what it means. We don't need to explain that one. I remember we did. It was a brief one, but it was part of a a, a business one hundred and one. I think. I mean, we had a basic business class. Okay. Where we were taught interest rates and and a little bit of budgeting and how to fill out a check and. Right. How business works, how supply chain worked. Right. And it went through all of that stuff. And if they're not teaching that now, I'm stunned. Well, true. And when in basic math, they taught, we had a, probably a chapter in, in one of our books on money and we had to know how to fill out a check back then. Yeah, that didn't go so well. I remember in junior high, we even had a class on counting. Part of a, part of a class was actually on counting change. Oh, how to count out somebody, you know, if your bill is $10.03 and somebody gives you $10 and a dime, what's the change? Yeah. There is a real need today for that. Oh, yeah. Some of the folks in some of the fast food restaurants and, and you know, it, it, if let's say as an example, uh, the bill was $4.50 uh, and, and you give them uh, a $5 bill and 40 cents so you or 60 cents whatever that would be give it so it would be a do, an even amount coming yeah back. a dollar coming back it completely throws them yeah yeah and they're like well, we don't do that here <laughs> like what are you talking about uh-huh i didn't read that or learn that on a video game it's not necessary <laughs> 
Yeah. Now, let's move to teenagers here for a second. 63%, Scott, of teenagers, kids who are notorious for knowing it all, that, that's so true, and not listening to their parents, say they got most of their information on money matters from mom and dad. So they don't listen to mom and dad, but 63% say that's where they learned about money is from mom and dad. They may not listen, but they hear you. Right. I had to work and, and make money, but as far as learning you know, anything from them about what to do with it, that was far-fetched. My, both my parents grew up in the Depression. Maybe that w- was part of it. But, you know, they were 40 years old when I was born. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a whole lot of relationship there. You kind of fended for yourself. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. my dad set me up with a savings account. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a little passbook that I carried around when I went to the bank, and they stamped it and wrote the amounts in it and that stuff. But we didn't go much beyond that. And the idea of tithing. Uh-huh. You know, teaching, giving to the church, that didn't exist. That was something I had to learn as a, yeah. as a newlywed. Do you realize we just talked about passbooks, and there are people out there that have no clue what we're talking about. They've never experienced it. Think about what money is today. Basically. Oh, yeah. It's all online. Yeah. 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 So they, they might want to understand that it was this little Google book. passbook. You'll get it. Yeah. There you go. That works. <laughs> Yeah. Financial support for churches and ministries is dropping and is likely to be even weaker in the future. This, to me, is a post-COVID thing. You know, our pastor's telling us that churches are about 75% of what they were pre-COVID. Attendance-wise. And as far as attendance goes, which, of course, is going to have an equal effect on giving. Oh, absolutely. Some have said that during COVID, they developed the online... <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Payment. Yeah, we don't pass, uh, you know, you used to do the offering, pass the plate down the aisles. Uh-huh. We don't do that anymore. Oh, really? No, it's... there's a box at the back of the sanctuary right by the door, and you drop it in there or you give online. Okay. And yeah. we're not making budget. Interesting. I'm not saying anything. I'm uh, just putting it out there. And <laughs> we're not. That's, nope, yeah, not going to say it. I, I, I know nothing. I'm not on the finance committee, and I didn't play one on TV. <laughs> Nor did I sleep in a holiday in that too. <laughs> so the takeaway, though, is the younger generations not being taught the idea of giving, or to ministries in general, the idea of supporting a ministry, right, just doesn't exist anymore. It's a very self-centered financial world our kids right. are growing up in. And my dad would always say, "Yeah, they just want to ask you for your money. They want money, money, money. That's all that matters to them." But you know what? In the middle of July, when it's 85 degrees outside, it sure is nice to sit in our sanctuary that's air-conditioned. Yep. And, you know, that doesn't grow on trees. Somehow that has to be taken care of. How about in the middle of January when it's 8 degrees outside and it's warm? Somebody Somehow that has to happen. How's the church supposed to do that if they don't? People aren't. But even bigger than that, and I think even more important than that, is that giving is a form of worship. Right. And that we should be worshiping that way and to support not only churches, but paraministries. Oh, like um, there's this, let me think here a minute. Work I, on it, work on it. It's called it's Rise coming. FM. I see, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are considered a parachurch ministry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we survive 
like the church does, on the gifts of of donors. That's true. The insurance companies try to make us a pair of a pair, a pair of a few other things too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so that's kind of the overview. Yeah. Now we're going to get specific. Thanks to Dave Ramsey. Now you've probably heard of Dave Ramsey. He's got the Big Money Management Show and has all the things that he does. So we're going to start with how to teach preschoolers and kindergartners about money. Well, you're right, and Scott, so we have to keep in mind that when we're talking about preschoolers, Piaget would say are in the concrete developmental stage cognitively. Their, their cognitive development is they've got to see it, feel it, touch it in order to understand it. So Dave Ramsey suggests for those children to use a clear jar to save not just a piggy bank, because the money goes in there, and as far as the preschooler knows, it disappeared. Mommy, what happened to my money? Right. Yeah, it's gone, you know, just like life, you know. <laughs> you know. So the piggy bank is a great idea, but it doesn't give kids a visual, which is so critically important. So when you use a clear jar, they see the money growing. Uh, yesterday, they had a dollar bill and five dimes. Today, they have a dollar bill, five dimes, and a quarter. They see that. They actually, that means something to them. So we talk through this with them and make a big deal about it growing. Yeah. And, and they'll feel really good about that. So then eventually, when they want something, within reason, we want to begin to tell them, you know what, you've got money for it. You can buy it if you want. But I wouldn't set my sights on something that completely wipes out the bank account and they start right. over. Right? Maybe a percentage or part of it for something. So. Right. Now, this next one, now we're kind of meddling a little bit. Okay. Well, set an example. This is good. So a study by the University of Cambridge, Scott, found that money habits in children are formed by the time they're seven years old. Amazing. Little eyes are watching you. If you're slapping down plastic every time you go out to dinner or the grocery store, they'll eventually notice. Or if you and your spouse are arguing about money, they'll notice that too. Set a healthy example for them, and they will be much more likely to follow it when they get older. So I, I think it's really positive. We've said it before. We can teach our children whatever we want to teach them, but what they're going to learn is what they see. Did my parents argue about what they were going to buy? Absolutely, they did. <laughs> there were several expressive discussions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had some very intense fellowship about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think we're trying to say that you shouldn't ever argue about money. Right. I mean, it, it's going to come up because, you know, he's going to want right. a sports thing and she's going to want something else. True. And so when I've done premarital counseling at Heritage, one of the things that's really powerful is we have that discussion with the couple. What are your financial goals? So, you know, what if one really wants to save and the other one is thinking about, well, you know, I'd like to go back to college or I want to get my graduate degree. You know, if they haven't had that conversation, that's a head-on collision waiting to happen between the two of them. Right. So it's important that they have that conversation. And I'm glad to hear that's part of your premarital yeah. counseling. Yeah, and, and I encourage them, if they could get here, one of the things, that, and, and I drool and I think about this, I wish we had done it. If you could learn to live on one salary, one of your paychecks, right, 
and bank the other one and then invest it. If by the time your children are, are high school age, the potential that mom wouldn't have to work if she didn't want to would be really good. They, they would have so much f- financial freedom and decision making. Right. I think it's a great, great plan. Yeah. Don't be young and stupid. Yes, that's true. We're yeah. still paying for being young and stupid, and we are not young anymore. <laughs> that's right. We're, we're working on the ladder there. It's a, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I think this is really, really important. This goes back to that clear jar. If they're going to take money out of the clear jar, right? they have to understand that stuff costs money. That's true, and they have to learn that. So you've got to do more than just say that pack of uh, toy cars Cost five dollars, son. Help them grab a few dollars out of their jar. Take it with them to the store and physically hand the money to the cashier, so that they this simple action will have more impact than a five-minute lecture without question. It's an experiential. We're putting them in position and uh, in, in circumstance to learn. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. That that would have a, have an impact. See, I would take that a step farther. Okay. If Johnny says I want to buy those Hot Wheels, yeah, and it's five bucks, and you're you're okay with it, you open that clear jar up and you have them take five dollars out of it, close it back up, put that in your pocket, go to the store, get that pack of Hot Wheels, put it on the counter, and say, "Well, Johnny, you need to give her your five dollars." Then he learns there is a instead of watching you do it because right. they watch you do it all the time, they're invested in it. That's true. Now they're yeah. seeing, wow, I had to take this out, but I wanted bubble gum. Well, you don't have any more bu- money, Johnny. Yeah. You spend yep. all your money on those Hot Wheels. Better go play with them. Absolutely. And, and so that begins, those experiences begin to teach them. It's not mom and dad being the heavy. It's life is teaching them. Uh, that's really a great great yeah. way to learn. Very real, very hand. I like what you said, hands-on. Yeah. Especially with these little ones, because we're talking about preschoolers and kindergartners, you know, the ones that like to play in the mud, you know, showing them to handle money. I think yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a very critical thing. Well, it's true. Growing up for me, though, Scott, the hands-on had a totally different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> the concept of laying hands-on was a different approach in, in the early Russell days. <laughs> All right, right. so there's a lot more we're going to – we've got a lot more notes here as we go into elementary students, middle schoolers, high schoolers, you know, teaching teenagers about money. Oy. Yes. You know, have you been to the store lately and looked at clothes? It's back to school time. Yes, yes, you have. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The first step, Tom, is probably just a conversation, but maybe in your household money is an issue. Right. You know, there have been – uh, collisions on the communication highway yes. about yeah. mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and maybe teaching Johnny and Sarah about money is, you know, gonna, is something that's just not possible. Perhaps uh, sitting down with a Christian counselor can straighten the path out a little bit and maybe avoid the collisions on the communication highway. Yes. So how can they get a hold of Tom to chat? Well, I can be reached at Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries.com. And we will continue this conversation next week on the session and on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. <laughs>